Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Tell you the truth, amen. Well, how many are glad to be here on a Wednesday night? Amen. You know, it feels good to feel good. Amen. How many like to feel good? Feeling good feels so much better than feeling bad. Anybody know that tonight? Well, I want to thank God for getting me back safe. I truly did have a battle this last week. And thank, thank you, Pastor Mario, for preaching a fantastic message. Amen. It's always a blessing to be able to listen to the message while I'm gone. And it was a great message and a great follow-up message to what we've been talking about. And uh, I, I, as Pastor mentioned in uh, the service, I got to Denver, and uh, I think I ate... A salad, which, which I'm, there, there's another mental note. I'm not going to eat another salad again. Just kidding. I ate one today. I'm just not going to eat one at the airport. So I ate a salad. Didn't think anything of it, of course. And got to Denver and got to the rental car place and picked it up and went by the hotel and then met Pastor Marshall and Sharice at their house and had dinner. Pastor Brian and Laura were there from uh, Brighton. We were just fellowshipping, and all of a sudden, my stomach started feeling kind of weird, and I texted Carla, and I said, man, I forgot the papaya pills. I don't know if any of you guys have any problems when you go to Springs at conference, but we have kind of stomach pains and problems if we don't take some papaya pills. So I said, man, I forgot the papaya pills. So I already had a plan after to go to Walgreens and get some, and just about 15 minutes later, I started feeling a little worse, and so I kind of got out of there fast, and on the way back to the hotel and on the way to Walgreens, I had to pull over on the side of the road. And you know what you pull over on the side of the road for, right? It wasn't to check the tires. And I did see the tires, though, while I was down there. Amen. And that started nine hours of every half hour. It was a miserable night. I had to get up and do a discipleship the next morning. And I, I was at a point where I was, was going to go. I don't, I don't do hospitals, but I was, I was thinking about driving myself to the hospital. I was so, de- so dehydrated and so sick, and I knew, I knew it was a physical battle, but I also knew it was a spiritual battle. I knew it. I knew God did not, or the devil did not want me to preach there. I had a message for, they had 80-something guys that came that, to the discipleship that morning from five different churches, amen, and I just knew that I had to get there and preach this message. So about 5 o'clock in the morning, I hadn't slept all night, and I said, God, just let me feel good enough to be able to get up and go do this discipleship, and he did. I was able to get up and go do the discipleship, and it was the shortest discipleship I've ever done. And at the end, I was taking questions, and I was leaning over the pulpit, just trying to get through it, and I shot out right after, and um, slept all afternoon, went back that night, was able to preach Saturday night and Sunday morning, and God really moved. People got saved. People got filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. It was a powerful revival amen so the devil's a liar amen and i've got eight cold sores on my lips to prove how sick i was i've i get cold sores how many get cold sores you get stressed or mine come from stress i can always know i've been stressed if a cold sore pops up and i've never in my life had more than two cold sores at one time i have eight on my lips right now so i I know that i was really sick i told people that's got to be top two all-time sickness but the devil's defeated. Amen? So I got, 
on the plane that night, Sunday night, to fly back. And I got in. I always have to get on, 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 online and get my seat. I have to pay something to get a seat. I always want to sit up front if I can, or at least an aisle seat. And I try to get as close to the front as I can so I can get on and off fast. Because everybody knows I don't like to be on enclosed spaces. And so I'm getting on, and I, and I always want to sit by nobody, preferably. Or, unless I'm with my wife, or I want to sit by somebody small. Well, going and coming. I got uh, a large woman on the way and a large man on the way back. And I already wasn't feeling good. You know, I was still feeling pretty down. And I saw the guy and I was like, oh, man. You know, I wasn't hopefully portraying that on the outside. But I was like, ah, big dude. You know, so I sat down and, I mean, you know, like this, you know. And I'm like, man, two big guys, huh? And he, he's like, he's, I couldn't really understand him. He spoke from, he was from a different country. And I couldn't understand him really good. So I got my headphones out, and I put them on, and I, I just wanted to try. I, I wasn't going to sleep because I can't sleep on planes, but I was going to try to just praise the Lord and worship with my eyes closed. I didn't want to talk to nobody, and I just put my headphones on. And so we get up in the air, and this man, uh, I can tell he's talking to me, but I couldn't hear him because I had headphones on. And so I pulled my headphones off, and he says, he says, what do you do? And I thought, <laughs> you really don't want to know what I do. I was thinking, you really, are you sure? Do you really want to ask that question? I thought about lying. I really did. I thought about saying something weirder than, you know, him, to him being a pastor. But I, I said, I'm a pastor. And he goes, oh. And so... I put my headphones back on and tried to just do, go back to that again. And a few minutes later, he's looking over at me again. And I pulled my headphones off. And he says, now, now I'm going to read what we said. This is our conversation. Because uh, I didn't want to miss anything. I was going back over this. I got to witness to this guy. So he says, uh, let me see where I'm at. A few minutes, a few minutes later, he says, I am from uh, Palestine. And you should go and visit Bethlehem. He says, I grew up there and went to high school real close to where Jesus was born. And I said, man, that's awesome. I said, and I thought it was interesting that he said that. I said, man, that's awesome. I would love to and I hope to go to Bethlehem someday. So he said that to me several times and I put my headphones back on again. And uh, like I said, normally I'm really talkative, but I just was not feeling like talking, believe it or not. I mean, I told the guys when I got the discipleship, I am not myself this morning. I'm not my, my, my personable, fun self. I'm just here. And so I put the headphones back on, and I was going to try to relax. And sure enough, another voice came. But it wasn't from him. It was from the Holy Spirit. And he says, I want you to witness to this man. So I pulled my headphones back off, and I said, hey, do you know the Lord, and do you go to church? Uh, he had already told me that they were coming from Denver. He was with his wife. She was from the Middle East. I could tell she had the head, head thing on, and his ki uh, sons were on the plane. They were coming from, from Denver from vacation. Uh, he told me he owned a gas station. He was telling me about his businesses and different things. So I said, do you know the Lord, and do you go to church? He said, I'm a Muslim, but I don't practice. He said, I don't believe unless you can live up to all the things you're supposed to do as a Muslim, then you shouldn't practice. He said, I don't think there's any way I can do all the things that the Quran is asking me to do. And I said, you know, you're right. 
you're, you're right. You probably can't live up to that. So I reiterated a little bit that he was absolutely right and he could never live up to the standards of the Quran or God's standards in our own power. And I said, that's why I believe in Jesus. And I said, you know, we're all going to die. And we all have to think about eternity and where we're going to spend eternity. And he nodded his head and he said, he said, you're right. And I said, I believe that he came down Jesus came down and lived a perfect life for me and died on the cross for my sins so that I could be accepted by God, not by the good things that I do, but because of what he did on the cross. I said, I believe I will go to heaven because of my faith in what Jesus did for me on the cross and not because I'm good enough to enter in. And he said, we believe from the Quran that Jesus did live a sinless life and was, a perf- and was perfect but that he did not die on the cross. Isn't it interesting that all the false religions have a problem with the cross? He says someone, they believe, looked, that looked like him was on the cross and God took him to heaven and he's going to come back again. And I said, sir, with all due respect and your beliefs for the Quran, I said the Bible was written six or 700 years before the Quran was written. And I said, I want to show you in my phone a verse, and I've got that verse tonight. And I took him to Luke chapter 24, and I, I could have taken him to a lot of places, but I wanted to show him in the scriptures in Luke 24, 46 and 47. And I'm getting somewhere with this story. He says, thus it is written, and I, and I, I gave it to him. He grabbed the phone from me and held it and read it. And it says, it was necessary for the Christ to suffer, that's the cross, and to rise from the dead the third day. See, they don't think he died. So if they don't believe he died, they don't believe he resurrected. They just believe he went into heaven. And that repentance and remission of sins, and you guys should recognize this verse because I preached it recently, should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. I told him my favorite Simon Greenleaf story that you guys have heard about the resurrection of Jesus Christ being the most verifiable event in human history. And I said, if we're going to die, and we all know we're going to die, I'm going with the person. I said, and all, with all due respect again, Mohammed never came back from the other side. No prophet came back from the other side. Mary never came back from the other side. Nobody came back from the other side except Jesus. And I said, I put, that's why I put my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And he said, that's a good point. He was very personal, very respectful. I, he's a guy that if I was feeling better, I could have talked to for hours. Very, very personal. And at one point, I, I asked him, I got my phone out, and I asked him, where is your gas station? Because I want to come visit you. I was thinking ahead of following up with this man. He says he owns it, but he leases it out. So I said, if you're going to stand before God and have your works put out in front of you, that's a scary thing. Because you might have done more bad than you did good, and then you're not going to go to heaven because there's no assurance. I said, do you really want to put your, your eternal life in the balance of how good or bad you were, because that's what Muslims believe in most religions. That, that's why, again, that's why I put my faith in Jesus Christ, because he died for my sins and took my place, because I'm not good enough. You admitted you're not good enough, and I admit I'm not good enough, but I put my faith in Jesus Christ, and you're putting your faith in you. 
He said, you know, you're right. He said, and, he, and then he says, he says, it, he said, where is he going to come back, do you think? That was his que- next question to me. Instead of, instead of thinking about the eternal things I was talking about, he says, where do you think Jesus is going to come back? He says, we believe in the Quran that he's going to come back somewhere near Syria. If you know your Bible and you know uh, religion and you know, you know what that means is that they're looking for the Antichrist. Isn't that amazing? They're, not, they're, they're looking, they're not even thinking about, they, they want to see Jesus, but not as the Messiah. He is, he is a messenger that's going to say that all the things that, that the Quran said were true, and they're going to look at him and he's going to come as, for them, the Christ, but he's going to be the Antichrist. And I said, uh, um, the side note, realize, and I, this is for you, not for him, realize that they're looking for the Antichrist and they don't know it, and they're being set up for a great deception. So I said, he's going to come back to exactly the same place he left from after he resurrected from the dead, which is uh, the, the Mount of Olives. And he was very shocked and surprised that I knew exactly where he was going to come back to. And he said, this is how we finished, he said, I hope he comes back in our lifetime. And that was the conversation, and we landed, and I didn't get a chance to witness anymore. And uh, I tried to give him my phone right before we landed while we were still in the air and ask him to put in our YouTube channel so that he could follow us, but he didn't have internet. I'm hoping that when he got internet, that popped on his screen, and at some point, I'm going to meet this man again. I really feel if I would have had more time, he was so ripe and so open to the gospel that I could have led him to the Lord. Amen? Praise God. That's, I hope I planted a seed in his life. Amen? But I, I said all that to say this. As I was witnessing to him and, and got off the plane and was uh, driving home and everything, I began to think about how we take for granted in this place having a church. And we take for granted having a, a place that is thinking about our souls. And, and a place where um, we are being challenged and we are being held accountable. And someone is telling us when we're doing something wrong. And somebody's helping us to stay on track. And, and I, and I want to preach this message for just a few minutes called Like Sheep Without a Shepherd. Amen. Like sheep without a shepherd. I want to look at the, at the word tonight in Matthew chapter 9. And I want you to pray for that man. I don't even know his name. But he was a good man. He was a man that, that I believe that if you could get into heaven because of being a good man, he would go. He loved his wife. He loved his kids. He was a provider. He was a decent man. But how many know none of that matters? But I do want you to pray for him. We don't have to know his name. We don't have to know anything else about him. Let's pray that somebody else comes along and waters the seed that I planted in him. And we do all this tonight and we think about all this for this reason. And this is what we take for granted sometimes. We all want to go to heaven and we want to make it our eternal home. Is there anybody here that does not want to make heaven their eternal home? I don't think anybody would ever even admit that. Amen? So are we on the same page that we all want to make heaven our eternal home? Teenagers, do you want to make heaven your eternal home? Amen? Listen to this. Listen to this and take notes. This, that's not a given. Making heaven our, our eternal home is not a given. It's not automatic. If it wasn't for somebody coming into our lives and sharing the gospel with us and intersecting between us and hell, we would be in hell tonight. Can I get an amen? 
Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, look what this says. He went about all the cities and synagogues, and sorry, and villages, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But this is what I want you to see. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Leave this up for just a moment. I want you to ask yourself, how often and are we out moved enough, how often are we moved with compassion for people who do not have what we have, which is eternal life? Do we, are, are we in a place possibly where we just take for granted the beautiful privilege that it is to have a church body? When we can have it and function it and, and, and have all these blessings and have a, a place that's preaching the truth and a, a pastor and pastors that love you and, and brothers and sisters around you that are holding you accountable and cheering for you. And we can take that for granted sometimes that we have that because, listen, hundreds of millions and billions of people tonight in this world do not have what you have right now. And that's what Jesus was seeing. He was looking out over this city, among, around the people, and it says, they, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Now, you may take for granted tonight that you have a shepherd. I'm not saying that to lift me up or anything. I'm just saying you may, may not even think a lot about the fact that you, and this is what I really started to think about. What a miracle it is how the church functions. That that there's somebody, because I don't know if anybody's thinking about that man's soul. I, if, he's, if he's part of the Islamic religion, who and, and when and where and what people are concerned about him making heaven his home? And I began to think, how many people like him are good people, they love their, their spouses, they love their kids, they're on a plane from a vacation, they're, he's doing well financially, he's, he's trying to take care of his family, he, he believes in God. How many people believe in God tonight? And they're not going to heaven. Amen. How many know that's a, a very sad truth, that there are a lot of people that believe in God and they're not going to make heaven their eternal home. So he says, like sheep without a shepherd. I, I, I just thought about this quickly before the service tonight, that what, what a sheep and a shepherd means, to make it simple, is when a shepherd is not around for the sheep in real life, they cannot find pasture, which is food, or water by themselves. They can't. They're not capable. I'm not saying we're not as human beings, amen, capable. But the idea physically is that when there's no shepherd, they're, they're not able to, to, to advance together as a group and find sheep. And many times they will die, and especially those who have young ones, they will definitely die because they're not able to take care of their young ones. And you can see the parallel in the church, how if there's not somebody leading us and somebody showing us the way and somebody caring for us like a shepherd cares for sheep and going out there and dealing with the problems and trying their very best to keep them all together so they can find food and pasture and find water, they're going to die. And the other part that happens if a shepherd is not around is they are prey to the predators. Be thankful tonight, church, that you have a... And listen, I promise you, 
God is my witness. I'm not preaching this to lift up as the pastor myself or Pastor Mario. I'm just trying to tell you how important it is to understand that God established the church to be a part of so that we could make sure that if our thinking starts going the wrong way or our doctrine starts not lining up with the word or we start thinking things that are not right or we start getting out there into the world and dabbling again with our old lifestyles, somebody's going to come and put the hook around our neck and pull us back into the very best of our ability and get us back in line with God so that we can make heaven our eternal home. And don't take that for granted. It's a blessing. Amen. 36, let's look at it again. He saw the multitudes. Church, we have got to and will never stop preaching this. I preached it a couple weeks ago. Pastor Mario preached it on Sunday. It's about souls. It's about witnessing. It's about sharing your faith. Whether you feel good or not, it doesn't matter. That man's soul was in the balance, and I could not... And and again, I don't say that to lift me up. I say it because that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we live for, is to share the gospel. But notice that I did not get to to say the sinner's prayer with him. I I would have loved to tell you that right there on the plane, I said the sinner's prayer with him, and he got saved, and then his wife got saved, and I would love to say that. That didn't happen. But I planted seeds, and I spoke the word of God, and I talked about Jesus to a Muslim. And I had him agreeing with me. Because you know what happens, church, to a lot of people around the world? Don't worry, I already used that. To a lot of people around... No, I didn't. (laughs) I just got a new printer because my other one was 50 years old. And Paul Platt gave it to me. I didn't want to get rid of it because it was so good. Really, honestly, it was a great printer, but it finally caputed. And uh, this printer prints on both sides, which I didn't know how to fix. So, anyways, TMI. I had a good point coming too. The devil is a liar. Amen. Somebody's got to help me get back. Somebody's got to grab my neck and pull me back in. What was I saying? Does anybody have a clue? Lord, see, if you don't have a clue, then I definitely don't have a clue. I got too many. Somebody, somebody, somebody what? Nicholas, you're, I think you got me. What was I saying? I'm going with you. Come on. Come on, I'm going with you. Witnessing. Right, right, right. And he didn't get saved, but I planted a seed. Amen. Yes, and that's what we're supposed to do. Notice I did not say that I led him to the Lord. It's not our job to lead him to the Lord. It's not our job to save them. It's our job to witness. It's our job to tell them about Jesus, and then they make the choice. They decide whether or not, amen, they're going to get it together. So keep reading. He saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he says to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. What he's saying is this world can be one for Jesus if the church gets busy. Now, can I get a better Amen. The church can be one, the world can be one for Jesus if the church does what it's supposed to do. Every single one of us, and we'll, that's what I would say, we'll never stop saying it. You can get tired of it. You can leave, whatever you want to do, but you're, you're in a place where you're going to be challenged to witness. Because that's what we're supposed to do. And it's not just because that's what we do. That's what God said to do. 
Go and preach the gospel to all nations. We got to do that at school. We got to do it at work. We got to do it on Tuesday. We got to do it on Friday. We got to do it in the supermarket. We got to do it in the gas station. We got to do it on the airplane. We got to do it whether we feel good or whether we feel bad. We just got to do it. We got to tell people because they're weary and they don't have a shepherd. And they're scattered. And the laborers are few, but the harvest is plenty. And so we have to pray that the Lord would send harvesters out into his harvest. Think about this. People without a church, and most importantly Christ, are like David when he was in the cave running for his life. I'm going to look at this scripture in Psalms 142 if you've got your Bibles. This is a picture to me of what the world looks like. I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make... Now, leave this up for a second. Do you think it's possible tonight that there are people crying out to the Lord that do not know who the Lord is? Absolutely. There are people who are searching. Stay with me on this. This is very important. There are people who are searching for God, and guess how they're going to find out who God is? You and me. Stay here and stay on this verse, but if you know Romans, it says, how will they believe in somebody who has not preached to them, in a message that has not been preached to them? And how will they preach if they're not sent? We're sending you every single service. We're telling you, go out of here and preach the gospel. Tell people about Jesus. Amen. So he, he, is, he, he is crying out. and Now, David does know the Lord, but I'm trying to show you this example here. Let's keep reading. Verse 2. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed with me, then you knew my path. In the way which I walk, they have secretly, the enemy, set a snare for me. For see, look on my right hand and see, sorry. For there is no, here it is, there is no one who acknowledges me. How many people in the world think nobody cares about them? There is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. And watch this. No one cares for my soul. David says no one cares for my soul. There's people out there that, that no, think nobody cares about them. And we can, we can try to tell them we care about them. Amen. And how many would like to really care about them? It doesn't mean you have to like them or like what they do or want to be friends with them. But you know what? I don't care who it is. I don't want anybody to go to hell. Honestly. You can be mad at somebody or, or want you know, these bad people in the world. I understand that. But I, I want people to be saved. I want people's souls to be saved. I want people to find the mercy that I found. Amen. And that's how you're going to become an effective witness, like I said a couple weeks ago, when you're not picking and choosing who you witness to. Well, this person deserves it, and this person doesn't, and this person should, and this person shouldn't. We need to look at all the world is lost. Now, you cannot say tonight in this place, if you come to this church, that no one cares for your soul. Amen. Let me say that again. In this church, you cannot say that no one cares for your soul. And that's a fact. And, and, and that's what I want us to understand. How blessed we are to have a place that cares about us. I did not say that this place is perfect. 
I did not say that we do everything the way we should do it or that we fall right in line, perfection. No, I said this is a place who cares about you. Amen. So he says, I cried out to you, Lord, and I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison. How many people think their soul's in prison tonight? That I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. Isn't that beautiful? The truth is, church, there's a lot of people, listen to this closely, who know they're lost and need help, but don't really want it. Did you hear that? There, that's why a lot of people don't accept Christ. They, they know they need help, but they don't really want to change. They don't really want to uh, receive. They, they, they admit that they're lost and they're hopeless, but they're, they like the misery that they're in. That's just a fact. Or maybe they truly want to change and actually love God, but don't want to make the right decisions. And the wrong things are more important in their lives. Let me read that part again. Maybe they truly want to change and actually love God. I believe this man actually loved God. But didn't want to make the right decisions and the wrong things were important to him in his life. He was probably more concerned with money and business and providing for his family than searching out how he could make sure he was going to go to heaven. Can you imagine if the wrong things are important in your life. Did y'all catch that? Can you imagine what your life is going to look like if the wrong things are important in your life? You make things important, but they're the wrong things. How many people do that in this world? How many people are in that place? Maybe some here. Maybe you were in that place. You're, you're, you have a... a, a, a very important thought about something. You've got it as a priority. You're focused on it, but it's the wrong thing. And you know what I think of when I say that? One example is all these people who are dying in false religions because they don't read the Bible. Is anybody in here just on common sense ground with me that if a book was written 700 years before mine, I probably should go look at the book that was written before mine because it was first? I'm just saying. That's just common sense. Why, if, if we're talking about someone named Jesus, and it's the same Jesus, then why would I take the word of some man who violated Galatians chapter 1 and heard a, a message from an angel and let my eternity be based on that instead of the book that was original and first? Amen. So Jesus saw this, let's look at Luke 19, as he looked over Jerusalem, missing people, sorry, seeing people make the wrong things important in their lives. Go back 2,000 years, and Jesus is looking at the city of Jerusalem. And as he drew near, he saw the city, leave this here for a second, and wept over it. God give VWO Denton a heart that weeps over the city of Denton. That cries over the lost people. 
of our families and our neighborhoods and those who've even done us wrong. Help us, God, to have the compassion that Jesus had. Help us care. Amen? And realize how blessed we are to be in a place that's even challenging us to think this way. Are you with me? Next verse. If you had known, Jesus says, even you, especially in this, your day, he's talking about Jerusalem and the Israelites, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies, and this is a future event, which is very close now, will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground. Isn't that a powerful scripture? Jesus knows what's coming, and it hurts him that they're not going to listen that they could get out, that they could be saved, that they could put their faith in Him. If we're thinking today, why don't people put their faith in Jesus? How do you think Jesus felt? When the own people He came for, because He came for His people first, rejected Him. And it says, they will not leave you in one stone upon another. And watch this, this is key right here. This brings it all together. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. Remember a few weeks ago when I mentioned how important it is that we realize how blessed we are that we heard the voice of Jesus? There was a time of visitation that God had for you. There was a time that was appointed where you were the ripest in your life. Only you know when that was. And, and, And thank God, church, you better thank God every single day that you heard His voice in the time of your visitation. Amen. You better thank God. I thank God every day. Lord, thank you for letting me hear your voice when you knocked. Because they missed him. And destruction came. Destruction came more. Destruction still coming in the future. Because they missed him. How many don't want to miss him tonight? Amen. And so here, here's what we end with. As I say this, I'm also thankful for my church. I'm thankful that I have people around me and I'm not going to take you for granted. I'm not going to take the people who hold me accountable for granted. I'm not going to take my fellowship for granted. I'm not going to take the pastors in my life for granted. I am thankful that I have people who care about my soul as I care about yours. Amen? We should leave tonight this church, this fellowship, this place with a new renewed think feeling of of love and admiration for God loving us so much that he would build a church that God that would reach us amen how many know it took a special church to reach you amen tell the person next to you it took a special church to reach you amen as the musicians come some of y'all get that tomorrow he's like dang something about me special I needed something special Acts chapter 20 Verse 25, as the musicians are coming, read this last verse. Paul's saying, this is from my heart tonight. Indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. I hope that part's not true. 
Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. How many want to be able to say that? That means you have preached the gospel at every opportunity that God gave you. For I have not shunned, or in other words, not put off, or not denied, or not rejected, to declare to you the whole counsel of God. At Saturday night service, I believe it was, or it could have been Sunday morning, there was a guy visiting Pastor Marshall's church. Just leave that right there for a second. And he was older gentleman, nice looking man. You could, you could tell he was a believer. And he was sitting on the same row as me and you could tell he was new. He was checking things out. He was looking around. And at some point in the message, I mentioned Santos' testimony. And I mentioned about how we preached in this church the, the truth and, and he heard the truth about drinking and he stopped drinking and he needed a church that would tell him that it was wrong to drink. And so this guy comes up to me after the service and he says, he obviously again was a Christian he was visiting I think he was from a TV station or something to talk to Pastor Marshall and he says it's so refreshing to hear somebody preach the whole counsel of God how many know that's what we want to be known for preaching the whole counsel of God therefore watch this take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. This is so important. This isn't just a church building here. This is a movement that is eternal life. This isn't a social club. This is a place that has saved your soul from hell. And we are the church of God which is purchased with His own blood. With His own blood. Amen? It's serious business. It is serious business, church. This is life and death. And we got to understand that the fact that we're here and we're saved tonight is a miracle. It's a miracle. Don't get so caught up in being saved that you get comfortable and that you, you don't realize how important this is. Every message, every verse, Every altar call, every time you tithe, every time you pray, every time you come, every time you witness, every time you pass out a Jesus card, every time, church, you put Jesus Christ as the focus of your life. Don't take for granted that you are part of the greatest enterprise in the whole world. The whole world. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock. That's why you need a shepherd. Amen? Last verse. Oh, sorry. Also, from among you, among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch. And remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone, night and day, with tears. Be thankful somebody is watching out for your soul. Instead of going, man, he texted me again and told me he missed me. Man, he texted me again and said, well, hey, where you been? Instead of doing that, why don't you go, man, somebody actually cares about me enough to text me and ask me where I've been, to see how I'm doing, to follow up on me. Somebody actually cares enough 
to call me or text me and say, look, you're, you're on a path that is not in the right direction. If you keep doing this and you don't start doing right and you don't start making the right decisions, you're going to end up in hell. How many can start looking at correction that way instead of who's this person trying to get into my business? When we have the right perspective, everything changes. Father, tonight, sheep without a shepherd. Let none of us, of us here tonight be sheep without a shepherd. But God, there's so many people outside this church, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our soccer teams, football teams, league teams, neighborhood watches, whatever it is, God, that need Jesus. And Lord, you've called us to preach. Father, don't let us take for granted tonight the privilege of being part of the church of God that was purchased by your blood. Jesus, help me shepherd this flock. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a great assistant pastor, Lord, and, and another one that hasn't been able to be here for a long time, that, but his heart is here. Thank you for giving me a team here that loves you. And Lord, that has a kingdom mind. Thank you for allowing us to be part of the greatest enterprise in the world. Thank you, Lord, that we're a part of a fellowship of churches that are like-minded tonight. That have a one goal and one goal only, Father. And that is to please you and to get people saved. And take them to heaven. To plunder hell and populate heaven. That's our vision, God. That's our heart tonight, Jesus. Oh, Father, if anybody in here tonight, maybe not on purpose, has gotten comfortable. If anybody in here tonight, maybe not on purpose, has not understood how real and important this church is to their, their souls, give them revelation tonight to be thankful that somebody cares for my soul. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place. You know what makes me think tonight? As you're listening and your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to I give a shout out at this altar call to Margie up in Alaska, who's watching online, who was at the Phoenix Church with Pastor Mario and Dianza. She texted us the other day and told us that she's been witnessing to a co-worker. She's been sharing her faith about Jesus. She doesn't have a church. This is her church. She, there's no church there to go to. She watches online every service. She's been sharing with this coworker, and she led this coworker to, to Jesus. And she, and she got saved. She said, she texted me, and she said, I just watched that message, Jesus plus nothing, and it changed my life, and I'm so thankful for you sharing, your, your G, sharing Jesus with me. Church, this is going way beyond Denton, Texas. We don't even know where it's going. That, you very rarely in the gospel get to hear a story like that. Thank God for it. But the reason I said that is, we need to be witnessing. You say, man, I've never been able to lead someone to the Lord. You may never actually personally, you probably will, but if you're really trying, but if you don't ever actually get to lead someone in the sinner's prayer, you are planting seeds. Are you at least planting seeds? Are you at least sharing your faith? Are you at least passing out Jesus cards and saying, Jesus is Lord and Jesus is the answer and Jesus died on the cross for your sins? That's our job. We gotta do it. If you're here tonight or you're watching online like that young lady was, maybe she's watching tonight. We're so glad that you're part of the kingdom of God now. 
Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? If you haven't, tonight is your night. All across this place here in the congregation, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, just lift up your hand high so I can see it. Put it right back down. I want to pray for you tonight. I know it's a Wednesday night, but you may be here and you, you, don't, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't believe he died on the cross. Maybe you don't believe he's coming back again. Maybe there's something in the Gospels you don't believe. If you don't believe, you can't be saved. It's faith that saves us. Maybe you're watching online like that young lady or listening to the podcast. We're going to say a sinner's prayer here in just a moment because we know that by that testimony, we are reaching people beyond these four walls. I want to ask us to stand to our feet tonight. I want everybody, before we open these altars up, to say this prayer with me. And church, I want to say something as we say this prayer. There are nights like tonight. It's a Wednesday night. I, I, I want to see someone get saved every single service. And if we're doing things right, we should be seeing people get saved every single service. But that's not, I'm not in control of that. But when we say this prayer, don't just say it. Don't get into this vain repetition thing and, and just pray the prayer. Understand that somebody somewhere is going from darkness to light. Somebody somewhere is, is having their eyes open to Jesus and is saying the sinner's prayer. And just by you being here tonight, just by you investing, just by you being a part of this team, how many know that everything that, in, that we do as a church, whether you do it personally or we do it corporately, you're a part of? Every victory is yours. Every defeat, we lose together, we win together. But when we see something happen, you by being here and being a peace, you're part of it. So when we say this prayer, understand somebody online or on the radio, listening in their car, is saying this prayer tonight, and somebody's soul is being saved from hell. And that means something. Because we can get too accustomed to seeing people get saved and take it for granted. Did you know that there's some people who have been in ministry for years in mission fields and never seen a convert? There are people who lived this, their life on this earth and died and never saw a convert. On the mission field. How discouraging would that be? But they kept preaching the gospel. And they kept planting seeds. And, and God does the work. Amen? Say this with me. Lord Jesus, you, I need you tonight. I'm lost without you. I am a sinner. And the wages of my sin is eternal death. Jesus, right now, I put my faith in you. And what you did on the cross, you lived a sinless life. And you died on the cross for my sins. And then you rose from the dead. And because of your death and your burial and your resurrection, there is salvation. I accept that tonight. I believe that tonight. Forgive me for all my sins. Wash me clean from all of my iniquity change me tonight and I'm going to live for you for the rest of my life in Jesus name Amen Amen. Thanks again for listening If you want to hear more messages please subscribe to our podcast channel and if you like it consider rating it and sharing it with your friends 
For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.